classical, so unpredictable Here on the SNL Network Yes, that is right. Happy Halloween, everybody, and welcome on in to the Saturday Night Network here on this very spooky Monday night. So excited to be with you to talk about this wonderful Jack Harlow double duty episode that we got on Saturday night and break it all down and talk about the sketches that we want to talk about from this night. Very pumped for the panel we have here tonight. We have some really special guests on the show, and I'm excited to talk through all of the sketches. I feel like social media has been a buzz for the last two days since the show has aired, and there's just a lot to break down. So a great week to do it and have my man for the first time on a roundtable, making his roundtable debut. It's a crossover edition. SNL's Mike Murray. Mike Murray, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Seth. Uh, it's my first time on uh, Roundtable. I uh, I figured I'd stretch the truth tonight and go with Shrunk Uncle because that's nothing like me in real life. I just cut ties with Kanye. The show is going great with Nicole by the, uh, by the numbers. So I think it's going great for me. Excited to talk about the show, though. That's, that's, that's great. I mean, we did have a couple of drinks together in New York in May, so I do I do remember. You could take one down, Mike, so I remember that. But yeah, <laughs> love it. Great to have you on and, of course, get to talk sketches with you instead of numbers because I know you're a very, you know, objective person. So tonight we're going to get the subjective Mike Murray for the first time ever. Yeah, I, I just had uh, 78 trick-or-treaters. Yeah. Okay. That tied uh, 2019's record. Got it. All right. Yeah. Getting, getting it all Boston for Mike tonight. Also joining us, uh, is it all dressed up in one of the iconic Weekend Update characters? It is Victoria Franzo. Victoria, how are you doing? I am feeling great, energized, uh, still feeling buzzed from Saturday's episode. So ready to rock and roll. Yeah. Buzzed like drinking buzzed or buzzed like excited? Excited. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You never know with all that. the drunk uncle talk. You never know. I didn't say that convincingly, but excited. <laughs> okay, okay, for sure. Well, I love I love the costume that you're rocking tonight, and of course, it is uh, the one, the only, the one who you know cast members sometimes slide into his DMs, sometimes he slides into theirs. It is Sean Grant. Sean, how are you? <laughs> what up, John? Oh man, I'm excited to be here. I'm not gonna lie, it was my birthday weekend, man. Happy I birthday! Thank you, thank you, guys. I committed to this. I did not watch the episode live, but I've seen it. A thousand times off the YouTube, and I'm excited to talk about it. Hell yeah, man. But yeah, I, when I when I committed to you, John, I was not going to back out. I forgot it was my birthday, which I do a lot. Is it really today or it was your no, birthday? It was it was the Friday, it was Friday, and I didn't know my okay, wife well, had birthday. plans. So yeah, man. Uh, it was a crazy weekend, and my friends, my improv team did something for me. So no excuses. Whatever I'm not, I don't know. I'm coming with energy, okay? And I'm gonna disagree and be wrong. Hard. So get ready, Mike. Get ready. I, I don't know. I, I'm treating these guys like Rich. Me and Rich go at it, but it, it doesn't have to be that. That's not what this podcast is. Oh, trust me. If there was ever a roundtable that Rich wanted to be a part of, it was this one with the great return of Bobby Moynihan. But we will get him on later on in the run, of course. And yeah, I appreciate Sean being here. He's always a great point guard, great quarterback whenever he's on the show. So uh, happy to have him with us. Okay. Let's get into this show. There's just so much to talk about. And we always start our Monday roundtables with talking about the host. And I think this is going to be the majority of our discussion of Jack Harlow, because truth be told, there are a lot of other storylines that came out of this episode. So let's talk about Jack Harlow. Last time we were on here for our Monday roundtable, we had Megan Thee Stallion hosting the show. And we were like, wow, double duty back to back. That's never happened in the history of the show. 
was it a good idea? Is that what we want to see? We did ask the listeners, and it seems like people were okay with double duty, but they were hesitant about Jack Harlow. My thing was, hey, if you're going to bring on Jack, is it going to be the exact same thing with Megan? Because I really felt like in episode three, that was Megan the Stallion was the star, and it, every sketch was about her. Was that going to be the case with Jack? Because I don't know if we were necessarily clamoring for that. Turns out that was okay. So, you know, it wasn't exactly the way, you know, Jack Harlow wasn't exactly the way they used um, him versus Megan. So, Mike, would love to ask you, what were your thoughts when you first saw that Jack Harlow was booked for the show? Um, I wasn't surprised that someone's doing double duty after they were on the show previously. I hadn't ever seen him before the My Rudolph episode, but I thought he, you know, when a musical guest pops in a pre-tape like that with Pete and raps, you know, it's like, all right, well, they know how to work with the the film unit they know how to work with the cast like i'm not totally surprised um i didn't really see him act out outside that but he's in uh the new white man can't jump i mean i'm sure he's got things to promote and i think on snl double duty is maybe becoming more of a, a regular thing there's been 13 double duty hosts including him since season 40 so and you know since covid there's been five like there's only the last three seasons right there so i'm not too surprised and i kind of like when uh, host as announced and i have no expectations i think that's the best show the best attitude to go in on saturday mike if you had to predict right now do you think we're getting another double duty host sometime this season i'd say yeah okay yeah i think so too i think that they really like this and i think though i think the episodes may have turned out a little bit differently at least in my personal opinion i think that snl would consider a success what they had at the last couple episodes with megan and with jack two very different episodes but they, I think they were happy with that from my understanding. So I wouldn't be stunned if we get to see more double duty and the trend's going to keep going up and up as we move forward. But obviously they have to find the right musicians to do that. Right. And uh, actually on um, Nicole and I's show on the Saturday Night Network last time, I did some stats to predict the next double duty hosts. I'm using some numbers. So you want to check that out. I, I gave like five or six predictions that made perfect sense math wise. Yeah, people were very excited about your prediction of Lil Nas X. So we'll see what happens down the road. But Victoria, we'd love to head over to you. So we, you know, I was with you in the preseason when we found out about the first three hosts that were being announced, but we never got to talk to you on the podcast about the episode four announcement. So what were your thoughts when Jack Harlow got booked for the show? I thought it was fitting. It seems like SNL's taking a different direction, tailoring to an even younger audience, you know, with the new cast members they've hired and the TikTok references and all that. And Jack Harlow really got his fame from TikTok. So, it, and he's young, he's exciting. The ladies love him. The men want to be him, I think. I don't know. So it, it, it seemed fitting. And I think you can even tell from his, what's it called? His promo tapes that he was down to, you know, participate and he was energetic and excited. And I thought he brought really great energy. So I love Double Duty. It reminded me of Chance the Rapper, who first showed as showed up as a musical guest and then came back to, uh, you know, do Double Duty host and musical performance. And both brought their A-games and I think were a lot of fun to watch. So if there's more of that and if that's the, the energy that they're going to bring, and we saw that with Megan Thee Stallion as well, uh, I'm happy to see more of it. Yeah, Victoria, has there ever been a double duty host that you can remember that has made the show less about them than Jack Harlow ended up doing? No. 
Yeah, isn't that fascinating <laughs> no. to think about? Yeah. Like, I mean, the guy the guy was the headline for both aspects of the show, yet you can walk away and almost forget that he was there. And he did a serviceable job. I just don't think he was the star, which is like sort of like exactly what you want, right? Yeah, and I think we're, I mean, we're going to talk about it in a, in a few with, you know, different sketches, but I think he may have been overshadowed by a couple of things that happened during the night. So we'll get to that soon, though. For sure. And Ken in the chat says Halsey is a good example as well. I think that's a great example of a, of a double duty host that in the last few years did a very serviceable job. So Sean, would love to head over to you. Are you a Jack Harlow fan? What do you think when he was booked for the show? You know, I'm not a big fan. Hey, thank you, Victor. Appreciate that birthday, man, uh, in the chat. Uh, man, you know, I'm not I'm not a big fan. Uh, I know his music from the radio. Um, that's all I know about, about Jack. So I was actually interested in learning about his um, personality through the show, through the sketches that they chose. And I feel like, well, I'm going to say this. This is going to be messed up. I have a thing against musicians. I don't mind double duty because clearly music is easy. Like you just, I'm sorry. That's terrible. I'm sorry, any musicians, man. But comedy, it wouldn't matter if you're just, if you're, if you're trying to figure it out, if comedy is not your thing, if timing is not your thing, then the music's not going to distract you from that, I don't think. I think it's just, it just is what it is. I don't think it could have made him any, yeah. His, Jack Harlow just had, um, he, was, he was, you can, ah, I don't want to say anything too mean. I like him. No, no, you're on a podcast. Say exactly. All what right. All right. Yeah. yeah. You can, you can build a rapper. You okay. can build, you can make somebody have certain that like, like, you know, like cadences and a, a style and move a certain way. You can literally teach that. You can't do that with a comedian. You can't do that with being funny. It's just like, it's moments. And, you know, I think some of them, he did a good job, though. It was fine. But, yeah, he just kind of, you know, certain lines, certain things he jumped off of in sketches, man. I'm going to regret this one day, man. I, I really like that guy. I hope we can be friends. I'm, I'm going to be in his DMs right after this. I'm sorry, Jack. I didn't mean to say that it is, man. I just, ah. I, but, yeah, I think that he, uh, it was a, yeah, he, he was very forgettable. Mm. Yeah, I, th that is an interesting point. I don't want like I don't think you should stress about this because it is an interesting point. I think that you know there are extremely talented rappers out there who are naturally gifted at at the spoken word. But I think that in certain cases, and we're not necessarily, if I understand you correctly, Sean, we're not necessarily saying that uh, Jack was uh, you know put together by other people and then built up no, in this no, way. No, no, no. Yeah, but no, he, but I, yeah. I think what you're saying is is that like for his you know journey to become a rapper may have been a little bit easier for him than it would be to become a great sketch comedian for sure i mean of course you're asking them to do it in one weekend one night like for example if we we're if you like megan the stallion you can kind of get her comedic sense through her rapping or even cardi b right it has sort of a built-in these are the type of sketches we'll do because of their persona maybe even yeah. eminem like because you know a lot about eminem he seems very serious so you can do things that play off of his meanness maybe make him a little more uh you know you have a, a range with him because you know he's like this this terrible person in his music, so it's like if we play away from that or play off of how uh, you know how he's talking about in sync or bullying people in his music, then yeah. But I think Jack is just you know he's just like a cool rapper guy, like a lot of guys. Uh, he's you a don't Jack. Really know. 
yeah. just a guy. So, so I got, and I get that. And so that, that's a good point because I think that it perhaps in this case, he is the host this season that is brandless. You know, he's the one that comes in. We don't actually know, you know, who he is or that, how he differentiates from other rappers necessarily or his personality. And I think in that case, it's probably harder to write for somebody like Jack and it's easier to blend him into the sketches, which is, I think, what we saw. Okay. Let's talk about our cold open that we had this week. And we had the PBS NewsHour cold open. And this was anchored by Heidi Gardner, who was playing Judy Woodruff for the second time. And then we had three people joining her. We had Keenan Thompson playing Herschel Walker, Mikey Day as Dr. Oz. And you guessed it right, the return of Cecily Strong playing Carrie Lake for the first time. So for me, this was interesting. I... Full-on expected they would find some way to get Cecily into the front of the show. I think that had to be the headline. And I think that her part in particular was probably the strongest here. But Mike, would love to get your opinion on what you saw from the cold open this week. Totally agree. I was expecting right away to have the title card come up. And then obviously, all of a sudden, it's Cecily and the crowd's going wild. Um, so when I didn't see that, I was like, hmm, are we going to see Cecily in a second? Or are we going to see her in the first sketch? Or maybe pop in the monologue like she just ran onto set, you know, something like that. Um, I, As far as the cold open goes politically, I think it was like fine. It was, you know, uh, probably the best thing they could do right now was to kind of just wheel out the uh, impressions. A lot of these impressions we see once or twice. And then if these politicians don't win, we'll never hear about them ever again. So if you want to get some legs out of Keenan's Herschel Walker or... Um, or Mikey Day's Dr. Oz, I think now is the time. Uh, so totally understandable. Uh, there was some good jokes in there, especially uh, Cecily, like you mentioned, John. So didn't do too much for me, but I it was totally fine. And I did like the uh, solo live from New York from Heidi. Love to see that. I mean, it's very rare we get that nowadays. So that was great. I think that, you know, well, well I'm going to get Victoria and Sean's opinion in a second. I think that the Cecily section of this particular cold open was so strong. I was trying to think, know why what it reminded me of because there are certain aspects when i find cecily is doesn't work always for me but she definitely is like an all-time great cast member and i felt that in this cold open cecily strong reminded me a lot of jan hooks who was a legendary cast member who was around in the late 80s and early 90s and is sadly no longer with us actually i want to give a quick plug to uh thomas senna one of our amazing patrons and host of the uh the snl hall of fame podcast or chief librarian and uh bill kenny one of our great uh panelists who was on today talking about jan hook's potential into getting into the hall of fame and i was thinking about this a lot i felt like cecily strong was so jan in this cold open just with some of these lines that she was saying uh including uh, this one I'm just a regular hometown gal, constantly in soft focus and lit like a 90s Cinemax softcore. So good. Just just the way that she could say lines so calm, but yet make such an impact. Victoria, what do you think of the cold open? I think that, I mean, it seems as if the sentiment's been that we want to st like stray away from the politics of it all. But I think this did a good job of, I mean, there are a lot of important topics politically that I think they have to address, especially with Herschel Walker and Carrie Lake and all these other politicians. So I think it did a nice job of playing into that without doing too much. I also think it was a good welcome back for Cecily. I think she was making up for lost time in this episode where there were there was a lot of her. She said, hello, I'm back. I hope you missed me. And, and I'm here. So 
overall, I think it was it was okay. It wasn't my favorite thing. Uh, I don't think anything's going to top Miles Teller's op- uh, cold open from his episode this season. So uh, I stand firm in that. Yeah, I think this is one of the better returns to the show that we've had in a while where it wasn't made like too much of a fuss, but she did. She just like blended in very seamlessly, similar to our talk about Jack. Sean, how do you feel about the cold open we got this week? Yeah, hell yeah, man. I'm all about Cecily, man. She did a great job. I think, um, yeah, I agree with Victoria with uh, the Miles Teller open. You know, that that was just so the the dynamics of that, like, and him being in it, you know, you, yeah, man, that was that was dope. But, you know, we got this, the tone set for the show. I think the whole show was kind of kind of mild, and I got through it, man. I, I'm not going to lie. I had to watch some things. I was, I was hungover the whole weekend, so I'm watching everything like two, three. It was like your birthday. Was you're me. allowed. Listen, Mike, Victoria, you please convince me. Uh, when I'm wrong, tell me, and I will easily sway the other way on any of these sketches because I could have. It's it, it was probably me, Jack. You're hilarious. I'm sorry. Sorry about what I said earlier. It's it's me, <laughs> okay? Because I just kept having to watch certain things over and over again. Like I don't know. It was just kind of felt bland. But when you're drunk and stuff is loud, that's how it goes, man. But it was fine. It was fine. Yeah, uh, uh, Sean is like, no, you be real. (laughs) So uh, let me just say also, I was sort of dreading, and I think you may have gotten this if you were listening to a lot of our podcasts, I was sort of dreading the return of Cecily Strong, because I really felt like, let's turn the page on what we saw. I mean, just we had so many departures, maybe if only a few left, it would have been fine with so many people left. And I sort of felt like, we're still hanging on to the previous era and we can memorialize in like a light way, you know, their time on the show. But I may have been wrong. Like I may have be taking a step back and say that I think that it's perhaps we're in the vibe of like turning the page towards the new era, but we're not there just yet. And we're going to need a few lingering cast members left over from the previous one to help these newbies become the greats of the next new era. Mike, what do you think of that? I think that was the biggest storyline going in was we got a lot of departures and then we got a few more and then and then we got Chris and then it was like, you know, some were expected, some were surprising. And Cecily, I thought was a big question mark. Like, you know, she started right after Kate. So Kate was like mid-season. Cecily comes in after. So Kate 80 Cecily was like that that three-woman tandem was basically defined in a whole era of the show. So for Cecily to stay on similar to Kyle staying on without Beck. It was like, is there something you haven't done the show that you want to show us? Because I'm definitely down to see it. I love Cecily. Um, just like I love the other two women on the show. Um, but that was one that was kind of a head scratcher, especially knowing that she had like definitive outside projects. And then uh, to your point, John, about her return, I was kind of like a little apprehensive too. Cause when Kate McKinnon came back in the Billy Eilish episode, she had over 14 minutes of screen time in that show. And that's like huge for SNL cast member. So I'm like, is this going to be, it's double duty, it's Jack Harlow, it's Halloween episode, but is it going to be really the Cecily episode? Of course, that, you know, was overshadowed completely by other factors, but definitely was a question in going into the season and then especially this episode, because, you know, we had a basically kind of knew that she would be back this week. Yeah, for sure. Victoria, anything else you want to say about Cecily's return? We missed the queen and I'm glad she's back. So that's all. All right. Well, let's get into some of the sketches that we want to talk about from this particular episode. And Mike, we will head over to you first. Is there a sketch you're dying to talk about? 
Well, as Drunk Uncle tonight, I think it should be no surprise. I want to talk about the AA sketch. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> I just... Uh, something about that sketch, man. And then I want to hear uh, your guys' opinions about maybe if we could, as a community, kind of label what kind of sketch this is. Because at face value, you've got a couple cast members in a static set. You know, there's not a lot of moving pieces. There's no physical comedy to it. It's just a lot of back and forth around a circle. So nothing is out of the ordinary for a sketch comedy like that. But something about specificity and being very direct and, and, and having a steady escalation from the beginning. You know, sometimes we talk about having a great button or a climax in a sketch that kind of puts it over the edge. But it might take a while to get there or you might not be satisfied. You wanted something bigger or you wanted something different or a, a, a zig and a zag. But this one just kept going up the mountain like a roller coaster and the like i said the specificity of being about like pixar and digging deep into like tropes of pixar it kind of reminded me of a little bit of the matt damon weezer sketch from season 44 that i was really into just because mm. you, don't, you don't have to be a weezer fan or a pixar you know expert to get it but like the passion and the pacing really like uh is kind of intoxicating when you watch it unfold like that Jack was good. Bone was good. And then, you know, Cecily comes in, you know, she sings. And and then on top of it, Tom Hanks comes in. And I was like, I feel like our relationship with cameos can be strained when we think it's a crutch. But that like the sketch didn't need him. It was funny already. And when Tom comes in, it was like, oh, we just got even bigger. Like, let's like, you know, let's have fun with this. And it didn't feel like like when when Tracy came out in that men's room sketch, it was kind of like, oh, you just wasted my man Tracy on this sketch. Like he didn't do anything funny in the sketch where Tom Hanks like tied together Pixar. He, you know, it was like everything made sense and it was just like tight. Nothing was left that I needed from it and it didn't go on too long. So that's why I want to talk about that sketch tonight. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think that this was probably consensus best written sketch from the night just how well contained it was and it didn't go outside to mike's point of the boundaries of the sketch until you bring in that crazy cameo at the end where we get one of the all-time greats in tom hanks coming in and of course we'll talk about uh tom's role in this episode and if it really made sense for that cameo given what we were going to see later on but victoria what did you think of the aa meeting sketch i I really enjoyed it. I think it was unexpected because usually I think they would have done something, maybe have done it a little bit raunchy. I think there was an opportunity for them to do that there, but instead they took it into a fun, lighter route with the Pixar thing. I love weirdly watching Jack Harlow talk about Pixar movies. I don't, I don't know. Am I, am I falling for his spell? I might be, I don't want to talk about it. Maybe next episode, um, maybe next podcast show, but no, I think it was just, it, they had an, they did something I think out of the ordinary for them. Usually like the musical stuff is reserved for John Mulaney types, but I think they did a good job with it with Jack Harlow. And yeah, I think they could have done something, the view ish that they did with it being a little not tight, but yeah. Overall, I give yeah. it an eight out of 10. 
this was it was very very strong i have to also point out our friend uh james matthew andrews in the chat says that mike disenzo tweeted this idea that uh when he left the tonight show he was a former writer at the tonight show before he joined snl he said that this was a sketch that he actually had an idea for and always wanted to do and then brought on to the show so all credit to him on this sketch concept and you know to everyone's point about potentially you know where jack harlow sort of fits into the overall vibe of the night of being like that extra person in a sketch i have to credit jack for for sure in this sketch because i think and sean i want to get your opinion on this in a second i think his line delivery in this sketch made the sketch was so strong in particular this line which every time i listen to it i crack up i love it when he was just he was busy talking about the movie and the ideas and he goes uh, i drank recently by the way just throws that out there and that made me laugh i think that was the hardest laugh i've had all season sean what do you think of this sketch oh yeah that was perfect the way he did that line and you can see how i cracked him up after he hit it he was like oh i'm a comedian like it, it, there's a different feeling than getting a bunch of people you know cheering about your song like when you get that reaction and you feel that energy from the crowd um he killed that man yeah he did a great job in that sketch it was so clean like you're in the game immediately boom like a lot of these long form sketches, you waste a little time with some funny dialogue, joke here, there. But we're right in the game. We didn't waste any time on tropes like, you know, Bo and Yang. You could say, hey, come on, guys. It's no, no, no. We didn't need that. You know, we just got right into it. Bowen's kind of doing that with his face until he's all in when Cecily starts singing the song. And, you know, and, and you see that transition in him. But he doesn't have to keep trying to calm down the game. The game just keeps escalating. And you have a little inner game with uh, my boy Longfellow saying his thing. I'm glad they didn't hit that too many times. They hit it once. That was enough. Oh, where he goes, can I be in the movie? No, you don't have to you know, keep doing that. <laughs> we got him, boom. And then, yeah, and uh, yo, Mike, I know he didn't want to sing that damn song, man. I've known Mike for a few years. Longfellow did not want to hit that note. He ain't had no business hitting that note or trying to. But some chops. Hey, he he did it. He he was he he showed up. He showed hey, up. Look, Sean, you said that being a musician <laughs> is very easy. So yeah. Oh yeah, you're right. I was I was full of crap, man. My bad. Music is no. If you do it, if you're good at it, then it's easy. But if, if you don't, if you can't sing, it's impossible. Yeah. <laughs> so you know the, the one of the other things about this sketch that I really feel worked extremely well was subversion of expectations, right? Because if you open up and you rewatch the sketch, you'll see that uh, you know they're introducing all the different cast members and the different characters that are at the AA meeting, and then you see Cecily Strong on the right side of the group with her head down, and then she has this like smoker's voice where she pops up and she says, "Oh, we need like an Oscar-winning song, right?" And then like it's a song, and everyone you know starts to sing along, and you know, I, I've been down that road before. We've all been down that road before of uh, Cecily coming in or, or you know, a singing uh, cast member comes in and it's like, oh, yeah, actually, we all know this song. Do we know? Yeah, we do. And then, you know, Bowen, you know, there I was like, OK, is this going in the direction of like now everybody knows the song and that's the button on the sketch? But to me, it wasn't. It was great because they were able to sing. And then it was like, no, no, wait, we're still missing something. We're missing the lead character. And then, of course, in walks the uh, like I said, the all time great, uh, one of the greatest hosts in the history of the show, Tom Hanks, who goes, uh, that really snags my zipper with his line. And, uh, you know, the 
lead character of this movie. And I would just love to know from the panel, like their experience watching Tom Hanks on SNL and if they have any like enjoyable memories or just, you know, how they felt about seeing him at the show. So Mike, uh, for you, longtime fan of the show, how did it feel to have Tom Hanks there? It was so nice to see Tom Hanks and he wasn't like breaking awful news to us or something. It was just for fun. So you know, it, it wasn't the uh, Paul Rudd Christmas episode. It wasn't the SNL at home. It was just Tom Hanks looking to have some fun with the cast. So, yeah, that's that's my two cents on Tom Hanks. I, I hope he hosts at least one, you know, once more in his career because it, he's just too much fun. Um, much like Steve Martin, when he pops in, you're like, oh, just just give us one more host. You, you got it in you, Tom. Yeah, and I know a lot of people have asked this question. He is a 10-timer host because SNL technically does count that at-home episode as his 10th hosting appearance. So, uh, you know, there's not a lot of people there. Obviously, Alec and Steve and John Goodman and Buck Henry, but of course, Tom Hanks as well. So it would be great to get him. And he looked fantastic. Victoria, were you happy to see Tom Hanks in the building? This is not a question. Of course I was. Tom Hanks is America's dad. He is America's sweetheart. He is America's, I'll say it, prince. Uh, no, he's, he's wonderful. I, you can't go wrong with Tom Hanks. And you know what's silly of me? I'm just going to out myself here. I saw him in the AA sketch and it didn't occur to me. It's Halloween. You didn't think and I don't, I didn't think, I didn't think of Mr. S pumpkins that might be. And so when I saw that, I started screaming. So it made it more enjoyable for me because I wasn't anticipating it, but yeah, I, I love him. Uh, if, if we're going to name favorite Tom Hanks sketches, it's probably Black Jeopardy. It was a great way to unite America and show us that we have all where we have more in common than we think. Well, hold <laughs> that thought, though, because we did ask a question on our polls. We wanted to know and I'm going to ask the panel in a little bit if the order of the sketches made sense to, you know, to build the cake of the David S. Pumpkins that we saw it in the order. We saw the ingredients first and then the final product. So did that work for all of you? I want to get that question. But before we get there, Sean, were you just in general happy to see Tom Hanks on the show? Any memories of Tom? Man, let me tell you, show me the person that's not happy to see Tom Hanks. Where's he at? You know what I mean? I'll fight that guy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm happy to see Tom Hanks. He's hilarious. He makes it look so easy. Yeah, man. I just you know, how many people can play Mr. Rogers, man? Nobody. I love Mr. Rogers. You know what I mean? Like there's only Tom Hanks and Mr. Rogers are only like unquestionable white dudes in my life. Okay. Like without, yeah, and, and maybe I'm sure somebody from the Bible or something like that. But yeah, <laughs> like those two dudes, man. I love you some Tom Hanks. He's so smooth. And yeah, he just brought a great energy to the show, man. Um, and, and credit to Jack Harlow for not having the ego to, to you know, to, to know, hey, it's about the show. It's about passing the ball. And yeah, you know, it, it's hard when you bring a guy in like that, that makes it look so easy. And it's your first, you know, um, time hosting like that. So, you know, he, he he's clearly not an ego driven guy. He's very cool. And I'm sure if they ever give him a, you know, he'll just keep getting better at this thing that he, yeah, speaking about Jack. But yeah, Tom is an old pro. Amazing to watch. For sure. It's like you're a big star. You're drafted into the NBA. It's your rookie. You're having practice. Everyone's excited to meet you. And then MJ shows up to practice. It's like, what, what are you going to do? Uh, th dude, there's that moment in Space Jam where you think actual Michael Jordan's going to show up, but it's Michael B. Jordan. But if he would have yes. shared the screen with actual Michael Jordan, you'd be like, yo, LeBron is the most selfless dude ever. And that's kind of what uh, Jack Harlow just did, man. Kind of shared, yeah. shared the ball. That's for sure. But LeBron ahead, won't. No, he won't. <laughs> okay. 
that's that's for a different podcast. Yeah, save Michael it for our Jordan. sports debate show on the Saturday I night. Put Michael Jordan in my movie? You crazy? Yeah. Okay, let's go to Victoria for the sketch that she would like to talk about. Of course, I'm going to talk about the one and only Drunk Uncle. Drunk Uncle is a beloved character, an iconic character. I think Drunk Uncle certainly foreshadowed today's political atmosphere with the type of conspiracy theories and complaints he spouts that we also unfortunately hear in real life on Facebook and other social platforms. And while like Drunk Uncle seems like a caricature of an uncle, he sometimes hits too close to home, at least for me. And I think the best part of this character is that every line is funny, right? Though it's out there and exaggerated, whatever, it's never, in my opinion, overdone. I think it suits who Drunk Uncle is. And he's always, he always gives some backstory to his character. And so while he's silly, this is a character that does a better job of showcasing exactly who they are. So you can picture Uncle, uh, Drunk Uncle outside of the show at home at the bar, at the dinner table, surfing through like weird outlets online anywhere. And the SNL writers are smart. And Bobby Moynihan is incredibly talented, which by the way, John, I loved your tweet on uh, Bobby Moynihan from, I think, Saturday night. Like all time favorite tweet. I might print it out and frame it. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, John, John was like real recognized real. And that's what John was doing. Uh, mentioned that he's underrated his characters. And as you specifically mentioned, like he blended eras together like no other. And I kid you not, I hold Bobby Moynihan as one of my like absolute favorite cast members of all time. So, um, and there were a few examples I wanted to call out that were great pop culture and news mentions in his line. Like this is Halloween, 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 Marjorie Taylor Greene. That was funny. Um, speaking to like PC culture, as always, uh, you know, Hollow's Eve, you have to call it Hollow's Steve in drunk uncle fashion saying, I think it was Tom is too good for Michelle. And then uh, last, but certainly not least, my favorite was everybody's quiet quitting. I quit. So yes. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> yeah, thank yeah. you. I believe in that in that tweet, I did call uh, him an all time great and said he's the most underrated cast member of all time. And I, I I mean that I do think he is. I think he's it's about time that we start referring to him as one of the legends of the show. And I think this is well deserved. I like I said on Saturday, I think this is a precursor to him hosting. But I, I want to talk about this drunk uncle character and get your thoughts, Sean and Mike as well, because 14th time that we had drunk uncle on the show, the last time we saw him was season 42. The world was a little bit different in season 42. I think, you know, six years ago, this was obviously pre-COVID, pre, you know, a lot of the Trump stuff that we ended up seeing. And, you know, I think SNL over the last few years has covered versions of Drunk Uncle. Like I think in particular, like pre-tapes where people are sitting at like Thanksgiving dinner tables and they're having to listen to their relatives talk about things similar to the way that Drunk Uncle would do it. But there's something about Bobby Moynihan as Drunk Uncle, and it's probably a testament to who he is as a cast member beyond just the character. That's sort of like when your puppy like gets into the garbage, you're like, oh, like I, he's so full of like, he has like, shit all over him but i can't get mad at him because he's my puppy like it's like the the stuff he's talking about is so ridiculous but he's he's your dog it's like you can't get mad at him like that sean you see what i'm saying well for for sure brother i know exactly like he he's towing some line man that you're like only he can do it so so gracefully you know 
and they tell you in improv to not play drunk characters these certain things because they're so sporadic there's their information is not reliable um things like that but i think his that character is so solid because the writing within it you can tell that he's you feel like that tension being built when he sounds like he's about to hit on something but it's it's not that you know what i mean like it, it, yeah we're this uh, obviously the steve or whatever that's what people say when they're being you know i don't know misogynist or, or, or homophobic or something like that in the adam and steve whatever but the way he said he's so drunk you're like i think his mind is somewhere there but the words coming out of his mouth is all we're holding him accountable for it's such crispy writing um with such a sporadic character and it really requires a lot of skill to merge those two things and make them work um together and i think he does that amazingly for sure i mike i think any other character says well, yeah i was there on january 6th what you'd be like uh but, but <laughs> so mike how did you feel about getting the return of drunk uncle and bobby on the show loved every second of it i was thinking about drunk uncle a lot and why it's funny and why it's had staying power even after all these years and i was thinking of update characters and typically why they work is they sit down and they they do the same beats and you know the jokes you know what they're you know what to expect you still laugh garth and cat like victoria's dressed as tonight we have uh you know stefan or even the trend forecasters last season that they're literally doing the same script with new jokes and so bobby does that with drunk uncle but it's kind of a three-act play like he really comes out with like some uh anger and machismo and then he kind of like will just you know break the whole thing down in the middle with obviously a lot of pop culture references he always sings and then he literally breaks down crying so he has this vulnerability to that character that just like i think it it just transcends all these things we're talking about as far as the actual references themselves you know i i, I think to this day i still quote him by saying like spotify me and you know do you have a groupon and these type of things that just stay with me from drunk uncle but i think that's really the strength of the character but also the strength of bobby moynihan like you said he, he does transcend as well the, the errors of the show and just yeah just that idea of you know he's gonna start crying at the end and have like a realization about his life or something like that but it still hits because it's it's like real it's there's, there's a rawness about it and he brings humanity to like a really ridiculous no, character that you said you be real yeah you be sorry real. you said real i had to, I had to trigger me no i love it um keep him coming um but yeah that's really my opinion on drunk uncle and and i was like how have we not had him yet but i was happy it was a perfect timing so good to see him back for sure. And Mike referred to it earlier. This has to be the line of the episode. And if you, you missed it, here's where you can catch this. That kind of talk doesn't fly anymore, Seth. And I think it, I don't know if that was planned or not, but I have to ask Wally, uh, who I think I can ask if that was on the cue card or not, because it uh, totally looked like it threw off Colin. And I think you hear Che laughing in the background as well. It was so fantastic. Loved every moment of that. And you know what else? I'll also say that if drunk uncle you know now that he's done drunk uncle if he does come back to host we can get like anthony crispino and we can get riblet or like whatever one he wants to do because you know he's done drunk uncle recently so it's not like we have to see that one again but just reminds you how great bobby is and we're so excited to have him on the show okay let's go to sean for the sketch that he wants to talk about oh man yeah man you know i'll be honest mike uh mike threatened me so he took uh the, the aa sketch 
So, uh, <laughs> but no, all right, the view, man. I think the view, I enjoyed it. It's really by comparison, man, because the other ones were a little, uh, you know, dancey or, or, or big with certain things that weren't the writing. I like uh, crisp games, and the game was clear in the view. I think there was a lot of things that kind of throw you off the game or, or to, to, to make it a little more like, oh, you don't see it coming because you see a full cast. Could he have just done this with Whoopi? Sure, right? But, you know, then when you, you're kind of thrown off, you don't know what direction it's going to go in. Um, is he going to say, you know, or, or how are these other characters going to play into it? But really, it's just his interaction with Whoopi. It was so cute. Ego played it so, so well as far as her. Ah, come on, come on. And he's like, no, no. I think he got thrown. I don't know if it was his line delivery when he said uh, he corrected her about his name at one point, Black Harlow. And it sounded like he got off game for a second or like jumped out of character and like legit corrected her or something. It was weird. Like would a character that's going after her like that, say that line that way kind of threw me off a little bit. But other than that, it was a crispy game. You get it. And it escalated to them making out and, and, and all that. And, uh, it was cute. I loved it. Yeah, I, I think that this was an interesting sketch to talk about because there have been a lot of view sketches on SNL. But if we're going to look at this one in isolation, really, there's two games here, right, Sean? Like there's the game between Ego and Sarah, who are clearly, you know, trying to say that Whoopi and Joy are the stars of the show and that the other hosts don't matter. And we get that back and forth between the two of them. And then there's the relationship between Whoopi and Jack. So, Sean, I'm curious just to ask you from a sketch writing perspective, do you like that they had two separate games here? I like. I think um, had they hit on that game, I forgot about that because it, it was almost like an opening, like like they. I don't want to say they were killing time with it, or or like, but if they had revisited that game in a very in a more clear way with Whoopi and uh, and Joy against the other two, who I literally don't even know their names then maybe it would have been, okay, fun to watch them juggle the two games and get you off of the Jack game. But once the Jack and Whoopi game starts, I don't think you're even remembering that. It just seemed like fluff, like a way to open the sketch rather than being able to balance the two things. Like, And it maybe would have been messy. It would almost have been like putting a hat on a hat because sometimes it's fun to have two games, but sometimes you're putting too many hats on one thing and you're like, all right, let's just, you know. So that would have been interesting if they would have written, uh, would have wrote that well and balanced it well. Those two games, but I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they, maybe I'm, maybe I need to watch it again. I was drunk. Sorry. No, it's okay. It's good because I, I also think that maybe and the you know, look, I'm not so down on this sketch, but I definitely didn't like it as much as maybe you did, Sean. And I think that the reason also, I think there was a third game here where we also had Chloe and Punky's characters, uh, Sarah and Sonny, trying to talk about what happened earlier in the week when another person came onto the show, if I remember this uh. correctly. And it was like they were trying to be like, oh, no, we're not talking about the important subject here. So I think there was actually three games. And I wonder if that got muddled in my mind where it was hard to focus on what was supposed to be funny here, which was the interaction between the guest in Jack and the host in Whoopi. But Mike, would love to get your two cents on the view sketch. This is an interesting one. I'm glad uh, Sean picked it because I wanted to hear other views on it because I, I watched it the first time and I, I was not into it. And then I watched it again today and I picked up things that I liked more, which is basically... Maybe the reliance, but a good use of Jack Harlow's like charisma or his personality. Cause I don't really know how he is outside of the show. And that seemed like with the Cecily pre tape, like, does this guy have like a history of like spitting game with like women older than him? Is that like a thing that we're gonna, you know, dig into? 
And so I was like, hey, if that's the case, and like, you know, I'm glad they they went for it. And I love that go in it. Uh, you know, I saw uh, open up and, you know, used to seeing Keenan or Leslie Jones be whoopee. And then, all right, let's see what I goes uh, has for this. And going into last week, to last by the numbers show right now, going into this week, I go Wodum is the leader in screen time from the cast. And this now four weeks in a row, four episodes in a row that she's been the lead or in the 10 to one sketch. So the Caribbean Queens, the um, classroom sketch with Megan the Stallion. She was a supporting role in the Sarah Sherman eyes sketch. And now she's whoopee in the view sketch. So I was like, you know, I've 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 gone on a lot of rants about how awesome Ego Odom is at live sketch comedy, and I think that's just another example of like this sketch could have been earlier in the night. I think it was way better late because of that back and forth with Ego and Jack, and you know, it didn't have to be some goofy weird sketch. It was just like, hey, here's the premise, let's go with it. Um, so I I did end up enjoying it more because at the at the end of the night i was like you know all right whatever you know and then going back i'm like all right there was a couple good beats in there and you know shout out to ego and i think i don't want to put ego in a box but i think that you know her brand has sort of become this confident character whether she's in impressions or playing a character this confident uh you know persona on screen who is then like taken down by another person in the scene so whether it's th through flirtation or through the kids in the classroom who are trying to explain to Ego that, you know, this is not the right, uh, you know, way to teach them. And then her ability to go from extremely confident in what she's doing to being like nervous and not sure of herself, but still like make it hilarious, I think is really like classic Ego. And I could see her doing that in like so many movies for decades to come once she moves on to her post SNL career. I think she's like found a niche that really works for her. Victoria, how do you feel about the view sketch overall? It was a fun sketch. It's it was to me a testament of Jack Harlow's game. Speaking of games, his persona is suave, a ladies' man, attractive, etc. And I think the sketch is a funny way to say he can pull whoever he wants if he puts his mind to it. It did remind me a little bit of Parent Teacher Conference when Jason Sudeikis hosted, and just you know, piggy piggybacking off what you just said of she's strong and confident, but if a man's attractive, dog, like. It is what it is. And I don't blame her. I know. <laughs> Same here. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> but I, <laughs> I also, I was going to say, I, you know, this Halloween is a great night for confessions. And I watch The View regularly. And, you know, you judge do? me. I don't care. I do. I do. Okay. I never live because I usually have to work, but I always watch clips on YouTube. I, we can talk about that again at another time. So much to say. You're a viewer. Yes. Victoria is a viewer. And that's what the V in Victoria stands for. But uh, I think I think if you're if we're talking just about acting, impressions, set and all that, I think they did a really good job of mirroring. I think Punky jo uh, Johnson as Sonny Hassan, the hair was great. The makeup was great. Sarah's the joy impersonation was good. And I think Ego really did a good job of not so much the voice. I mean, she had a little bit of Whoopi's voice, but more so the hands and all that was, was great. So as a viewer, I think it was a, a solid nine out of 10. Yeah. I would say my favorite line from this sketch was this one. Am I sensing a metaphor? <laughs> Whoopi, I've met a lot of fours, but today I met a 10.
That was bang, good. bang. Yep. yep, there you go. There you go. Hit the mark on that one. That's uh, what I'm yes. talking about. He can pull yes. whoever he wants. I did it for you, Victoria. That's great. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll try and make some phone calls for you. Um, Thank you. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about uh, the sketch that I want to talk about. And of course, you guessed it. It's the one, the only, the return of David S. Pumpkins 2.0. I guess 3.0 technically. We sort of saw him in a rap video. But uh, this is really the second iteration of David S. Pumpkins coming back. And, you know, where has he been all of this time? Uh, I think he's... uh, from Ah, uh, that's where he's been. Okay, got it. She's been in Visa for a few years. So I was very happy to have David as Pumpkins back on the show. But before I get into the sketch, this has been the question on my mind and on a lot of people's minds in our community, at least. And I don't want to overanalyze it, but I just want to ask the question and I'll reveal the audience results as well to our panel. Did we like that this was the way the sketch was presented, that we got it in the order of the AA meeting and then the drunk uncle and it was like, okay, the pieces are there. Is David S. Pumpkins going to happen? Okay, it's there, you know, sort of like announcing this may happen on Halloween before it happens. Or should the show have done David S. Pumpkins earlier in the night where you don't know Tom Hanks is there, you don't know Bobby Moynihan is there, and then it's like, oh my God, this is back. And then we see them later on in the AA meeting and in Drunk Uncle. So Mike, would love to get your opinion on it. Uh, this is a thing I talk about a lot on the By the Numbers shows is because it has to do with time and placement and stats. And I, I Usually once a show, I probably find uh, I'll do a new chart with new data that I've never done before for another show. And, you know, in one of these cases, I was just I was really want to talk about how great the classroom sketch was for Megan the Stallion. And I thought that episode wasn't that great. But I was like, that sketch was so well written. And Punky and Devin and Megan were so good um, playing off Ego. And I was like, if this was earlier in the night, like I think that that episode gets bumped up from uh, C to a B or a B to an A or whatever, however you thought of it. So I'm glad you brought this up and, and polled our audience because I'm interested in what they think. Cause I think sketch placement is maybe, you know, in the weeds and little nerdy um, for the casual fan, but that's not us. So uh, I think definitely I would have preferred to have that just be an insane reveal earlier and then be completely surprised and happy to see the other, you know, to see drunk uncle, and Tom H appear later because they've been like, we already know he's in the building and then he walks on. It's even more fun. Uh, I think it worked just fine the way it was. So I have no complaints at all. But I mean, the fact that David S. Pumpkins might be the most iconic SNL character of the 21st century and he's only appeared really once. Of the uh, 21st century? You mean since 2000? That's a, that's a hot take. Yeah. Well, I just mean he's kind of known people. Stefan is knocking at your door. I was I thought of Stefan, of course, and I think that David S. Pumpkins, because he has one appearance, and people know him that don't even know he was on SNL. So I always think that if if someone knows a character outside the show that they were even on, like it's not like the Blues Brothers or something like that, like like that you know. I mean, sorry, I'm saying it is like that. Like people don't even know that's from an SNL, so something like that. Anyway. I'm just trying to get at that. That was an insane reveal that we had even more so than like the five timer sketch last year with, you know, Tina and Steve Martin and Elliot Gould and Conan. Like it was just like the, the ingredients were there because it's Halloween, of course. But since we hadn't seen that again, it was pretty huge. I would have liked to see that earlier. I think the crowd will agree with me. 
But if anyone has uh, think that it was the right move, for sure, I'd love to hear that. Okay, interesting. Because in dress rehearsal, this was the first sketch after the monologue. And I know people who were at dress rehearsal and they said it got like the biggest ovation ever. But does that necessarily change the way we would have liked to have seen it? So Victoria, what is your opinion on this? Like I mentioned earlier, I, I saw Tom Hanks in the AA sketch and it didn't even cross my mind. Oh, we would get a David as Pumpkins bit. So because seeing him was the surprise and I was like, oh, I'm just happy he's here. And then for me, when I did see it, it was even better. But I think it kind of worked the way it was. Maybe if, if people were like me and and just simply forgot or it didn't cross their minds, it could have worked. Though SNL's in the habit of doing the comeback characters and then showing them in some stuff after. Like, for example, with Brennan Gleason, Colin Farrell joined the, the monologue and then after he joined a sketch. So it was a, yeah, that's all. Okay. Sean, any opinion on this? I know you didn't watch it live on Saturday, so you watched it in a different order potentially. So how did you feel once you knew what the placement was? You know what? Now that you guys are, first of all, I got me a hot take for sure. Uh, oh, you guys going to be bad. Didn't, didn't need that. Sorry. Didn't need another David S. Pumpkins, man. I'll keep it real. Like, it's like Mike was saying, man, if you have a hit, right, it's the same exact sketch. I had to watch it again to make sure. I'm not tripping. It was the exact same sketch. You didn't add nothing. It was just the dance and the thing. I mean, the beats, everything, except that both characters are questioning it in in the 2016 sketch, whereas now, you know, there's only um, uh, this mute character that's going, oh, what is this? Who is this guy? Asking the exact same questions that were asked in the first sketch. Some things just leave them alone, make it iconic, man. And I agree now that you're saying it came right after Dread. Oh, I'm sorry. It came right after the cold open. It would have blew out the whole show. Jack wouldn't have, he wouldn't have stood a chance because that's one of those things you cheer for because it's iconic. Not necessarily because it's, it's good. You're just excited to see that character again. And it would have been too like, you know, like sell it. It's almost like Rocky Horror Picture or something like that. Format-wise, it's almost the exact same sketch as Unholy, where there's no real, it's just, just dancing is the punchline. You know what I mean? Like, and the thing. So, like, the two dudes dancing with the loud music. That's not Chris writing to me, man. You know, my thing is, like, wordplay and, and, and finding pattern and game and, and forwarding the story. If, if you're going to use characters like that, what happened again? Does he have a, I don't know, does he have some son? I don't think, maybe you don't do that type of stuff, but. Just leave it the way it was, man. I don't think we needed him. I didn't see it coming. And yeah, man, go ahead. Hate on me. I don't care. Whatever. Attack me. Attack. Well, I, I do want to attack you, but I'm going to hold off just for a minute because I want to reveal the results. And by the way, I have a strong take on this. I've been avoiding saying what my take is, but I think SNL absolutely did this in the right order. I think that if this was... In any other order, I don't think it has as much of an impact as it did. I think for certain, AA meeting with Tom Hanks coming out at the end has like no button. So that's, you know, like it's like, okay, he's already there. He's showing up again. And for me, it would be like, okay, we know Bobby's in the building. Is he going to show up on Weekend Update? Like that's the big question. Like you weren't even left with that. So you did like surprise, surprise. And then it's like, you know, David S. Pumpkins didn't necessarily 
need to be different because it was already there and baked in. So let me just reveal the results and then we'll address Sean's uh, blasphemy in a second. So let's, let me bring that up. So we did ask our social media audience today. We wanted to know, we wanted to, which was the correct order to do this in specifically when it came to AA meeting versus the, um, versus the, uh, David S pumpkin sketch. Sorry guys, give me one moment and I'll get that results for you. Okay, so I can't bring it up on screen just yet, but the answer that I got from our social media audience was pretty split, but about 56% of the audience said David as Pumpkins should have come first instead. Instagram really felt David as Pumpkins should come first. Now, do I buy the results? Do I think there's nuance here? Not necessarily. Mike, what do you make of the fact that the audience felt like David as Pumpkins should come first? Is it just that it was so impactful that people just want to see it? I think it was just that... I, I kind of just, I mean, I feel like I, when I talk about like iconic SNL things, maybe I'm too hard on the show sometimes because I'm not like a hype person for these things. I kind of just like acknowledge that they're big and popular, like David S. Pumpkins, like I just said about him being iconic, but doesn't mean I'm the biggest fan of the sketch itself. So when they do those things, I feel like energy on SNL is like so fluid. And so if you have that and you get the audience in your pocket early, I just think that who cares if the last sketch sucks? It's just like you got David as pumpkins in there. I thought it was a really strong update if we address update it all later. And so I, I don't think it would be in a worry that the show would have tanked after because it can only go down from David as pumpkins. I just think that it literally it's a reveal. The doors open and there's Tom Hanks as David pumpkins and Mikey and Bobby. And I think it just in the history of the show and the way that we talk about it and the lore and the canon would have just been a little bit brighter and bigger if that were the case. And like I said, in my take on this, I think it worked totally fine and I had zero issue with it. But if I had to really analyze it, I think that after uh, monol after the monologue, you see that you go, hey, man, whatever happens, I'm loving the show tonight. I'm happy. Let's go. Let's go, Jack Harlow. <laughs> like, I don't think it would have been like, I, oh, what's he going to do next? They'd be like, oh, this our show is already good. Yeah, and look who decided to show up to our uh, <laughs> to our our conversation today. Sean, it's Rich. Rich is here. He said that David has pumpkins execution can't live up to the hype. Giving it away makes the execution not as exciting. I want to see Drunk Uncle at Weekend Update first, then get to the bot. So we get this Bobby surprise. Then we get to pumpkins and then do the AA as the 10 to one. Interesting take, Rich. Fortunately, you're not here to battle us on it, but I do think AA meeting meeting is completely destroyed without, with already knowing Hanks is in the building. Sean, do you want to address Rich, Rich and then I'll, I'll address you? Shame on you, Rich. I'm sorry. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. No, let me, let me tackle work. this, this take from Sean because, okay. I, I see what you're saying. Uh, like I'm not, I don't want to fight myself where I'm saying, Oh, I wish SNL could have written this great thing. But, but I think that if we had gotten a sketch that was different than the original significantly, we would always be comparing the two sketches to each other. And we mm. would say, which David S. Pumpkins did you like better, the first or the second? Instead, what we had was a celebratory moment for the show for its last great iconic character on a holiday night. And that's what you want from Halloween episodes, Christmas episodes, finales. That's what this really felt like to me was just fun. I think that they had all the beats of a great sketch. 
for us who analyze these things to death, maybe perhaps would we have liked them to go a step further? I can buy that, but I don't know that I necessarily needed them to change up the sketch significantly, especially with the order that they did it in. Because at that point, after update where you're a little bit punchy, I think it's fun. And I think that, you know, you know, and I and I will say having not Kate and Beck in there and having Andrew and Ego and Jack it was enough of a change for me where I felt like that was interesting enough. Sean, do you really disagree with me? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I get I get that thing. That makes sense. But like for me, certain guys, you know, like like I love how Buckwheat eventually got killed. You know, like you see the progression of a fun character and them just making fun of themselves. But I get it. It's so as long as you admit it's not a good sketch, it's literally the first script and you just like add a couple more people <laughs> and the same joke, elevator. He said the same thing. Well, let me like, just say, like, I love, I love character development more than anybody. That's my favorite thing. I love character development, especially on SNL. But the whole point of this character is that he doesn't develop, that you're just getting a, like a little bit of a oh, glimpse yeah. into his life that you don't understand it. So I feel like for this oh, character, yeah. this is the exception here where we don't need to develop this character anymore because nobody mm. understands the character. Oh, Can right. I, can I offer another perspective as well? That's perhaps, what you're here for, yeah. Perhaps they did the AA sketch first with Tom Hanks to keep people watching throughout the whole night and keep the views up and say, oh, Tom Hanks is here? It must be a David S. Pumpkins. And that is a beloved character, right? People are, they sell the, the costume at the NBC store. So maybe that was also a play. Maybe yeah, they that, put that, that first to, to yeah. keep people watching. That is definitely oh. a fair point. Uh, <laughs> let me just say, though, uh, a couple of these lines did gave me a, a really good laugh. I do like uh, what we got here. Where David Pumpkins from before. Yeah, that, that was good. And then, of course, uh -huh. the... Uh, David Pumpkins is... Taking it one day at a time. That gave me a good laugh. Uh -huh. I will also say, just going back to the original David S. Pumpkin sketch, just in the lore of Saturday Night Live, it is fun to watch it because that was Bobby's last season on the show and Mikey Day's first season on the show. So it's fun to see that they're, you know, like where they are along their paths has to make me think, is this potentially Mikey's last season on the show? And this was a fun one for him to bring back. The one line that I do feel like Beck had in that original sketch was, I am so in the weeds with David Pumpkins. And that was, to me, an iconic line that I did feel maybe uh, would have me put the original above this one. But I think we're going to talk about, <laughs> about this throughout the week a lot more. So uh, very much enjoy this. Uh, are we good or does the panel have uh... any questions? I was just going to say that I'm curious since you played that line about uh, one day at a time, if that was like not necessarily an improv by Hanks, but uh, a callback to the AA sketch since that was now first, you know, one day at a time. But yeah, no, I and I do think that uh, it might be, you know, Mikey Day and Streeter Seidel's, you know, magnum opus is David S. Bumpkin. So shout out to them as a writing team. Yes, yes, that's very true. And uh, also this. Yummy, Zaddy. We also got that. Okay, <laughs> Mike, is there anything else from the episode that you would like to make sure that we talk about on this Monday night? Yeah, a little just allusion I made earlier is that I thought this was the strongest update from Jost and Shea. I thought they came out firing. They were like, they were going hard at the beginning of that uh, update. And I, I we talked about Cecily's uh, return and how maybe it 
may or may not make sense with the direction of the show and having other veterans leave at the time they did. And you could say the same about Justin Shea. Like, you know, what have you not done that you're still want to do? Or are you just kind of being the Sherpa to the next season with the newbies? And I thought that, like, I don't know, the first three weekend updates for me, I don't think anything was that great. Like, it just, usually that's one of the moments of the show that I'm like, all right, updates on. Like, everybody shut up. I want to hear every joke. <laughs> but this one uh, I thought was really good. And so, you know, whether or not you want to have any sound clips uh, that, you, that you pulled, but. I just think it was like, uh, I, I thought it was a strong one and I was just happy to see that. And I kind of prefer a, a tighter uh, weekend update that has one strong guest versus two or three that are just kind of like, okay. So I want to just, you know, shout out to them. Same. I, I'm okay. Like, I don't, I don't like it when they do no guests, which I think we had one time last season. But I think having one guest, especially if the guest is extremely strong, then it's fine. Uh, like, oops, all jokes. I mean, that's what uh, I think Colin said last yeah, year. Yeah, Mulaney last year. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it, it could work every now and then. So I do feel like it's good. And they've been really good this season, I have to say, like very solid. I think maybe like stepping down from head writer probably gives them more time to focus on update and really good stuff from them. Victoria, is there anything else from the episode you would like to make sure we talk about? Well, we don't have to talk about this. I just I would be remiss if I didn't give it a shout out and honorable mention to horror movie trailer. That was probably my favorite pre-tape in a long time. I think it just speaks to everything going on and how a lot of us are feeling, but in a better elevated comedic way. That's okay. Well, let's talk about that. We have time. So what about, is there any like particular moments that really stood out to you from this 2020 part two, 2024? I'm going to be careful because it's, it's political of course. And I, you know, I don't want to isolate or any, you know, do that to anybody, but I think the concern, the general concern from, I don't know, maybe everybody of Joe Biden potentially running again, uh, running for re-election. And if not him, then who? And, you know, Hillary coming back or Bernie. And these are real conversations that we're having in real life about probably like, you know, the highest office in all the land. So I think they did it in such a fun way. It goes with the theme of ho uh, not Hollywood, Halloween and just you know, they took a conversation that's happening in real life about politics without including political impersonations, which I think, again, I mentioned earlier at the top of the show that people wanted to kind of stray away from that, but they did it in a, in a fun way and, you know, just <laughs> showcase what we're all scared of. Okay, Victoria, let me make you a pitch. Would you have preferred that the pre-tape is them trying to figure out which Democratic candidate is going to be running, and then all of a sudden, you know, they're freaking out and they're trying to figure out who it is, and then this happens. <laughs> In comes David S. Pumpkins. What do you think? I would... John's not down. <laughs> I... Um... I'm just going to say this. And again, like I said, Halloween is a night of confessions. I would prefer David S. Pumpkins to be the next president of the United States. I don't know what party he belongs to and I don't really care. So I know yeah. he would get nothing. He would get a lot done. <laughs> for, for I was sure. going to say the costume party, but that's yeah. that sucks. That hey, sucks. Hey, Sean, you're, it was on the spot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sean, how did you feel about this pre-tape that we got the 2021? Well, I think Victoria's spot on. I think to escalate information that we already have um, and do it, obviously they're using the horror movie stuff, the way Bernie came down in blood. That was so cool. Um, and then, of course, to de-escalate it back to Biden, like maybe he is the best choice. 
My favorite part was when Punky put in <laughs> 79 plus 2, <laughs> 81 as he jumped back. That was so funny. <laughs> oh, my God. It was great. I, I want to call Eric. Eric's comments. Uh, he's from Spain, referring to David S. Pumpkins. He can't run. Yeah. Devastated. Mike, how did you feel about this pre-tape? Oh, I loved it. Uh, SNL's pre-tapes, uh, you know, we call them out on this podcast, but I don't know if they get uh, the love they should, especially with the talent they have in that film unit. Uh, Ryan Spears, Ryan McElwraith, uh, Mike Diva, director, like some of these people are like just... Tim Wilkinson. Awesome. Yeah, they should be big, big names and they're working for a show like SNL, which is not a small show by any means, but, you know, uh, they, they're definitely... Uh, be moving on to big things and a lot of these guys do music videos too and it shows when they did the chris and pete um uh, rap videos and they just they they murder at at uh movie trailers i mean the editing and the the color colors they do and the the sound they do like so just shout out the technical team for these because they, they kill it and they do it you know in like 48 hours so this one in particular was the one i wanted to watch again first so i loved it and Great. I do want to call out Punky in this. I think SNL's, I mean, if just being truthful, I think they've kind of pigeonholed her into a certain character. But I think this was a new persona that we got to see from her and giving her the chance, you know, she she rises to the occasion. She's extremely talented, uh, multifaceted. And it's, I mean, it was a small role, but nonetheless, I think it was, impactful and really showcased her talents and her abilities. So just wanted to give Punky that shout out too. For sure. She may be coming, maybe coming like we saw with Chris last year where he was like the one take King or the one line King, you know, like maybe she's becoming that where it's like, go to her for reaction shots. And that's becoming a really big thing for her as she starts to, you know, find her niche on the show. So Sean, is there anything else from this episode when you went back that you want to make sure we talk about tonight? Oh man, I think we, we, we got it all. It was, um, you know, I want to recant, uh, what I said about Jack, because uh, he is very charming and beautiful. I think, um, yeah, had they played off of his, you know, charm a little more, uh, and you know, his, his characterization of of that kind of guy, then uh, you know, maybe I would have got it more. But he seemed to be so go with the flow that he almost had no voice. You know what I mean? Like just whatever you guys think is funny or whatever's in the bottom of that pile, let me get it. <laughs> we'll have fun with it. And whoever you want to bring back, Jeff Probst, whoever, cool, uh, let's do it, you know. And maybe some egos involved with, with doing good comedy because you got to, like, this is what I want to hit on. This is what I think is funny. This is what will showcase my comedic stuff. But he was down, and it was it was cool. It was fine. For sure. And I do want to talk about that Jeff Probst thing for a second, because that's the only other thing for the episode I just want to make sure that we cover tonight, which is on Saturday, I was thinking, oh, okay, Bowen's a huge Survivor fan. He probably made this happen. But I completely forgot that Jack Harlow is a huge Survivor fan. And this was probably something, you know, just to be able to bring Jeff Probst onto the show was really great. And I think that, uh, by the way, I rewatched this Joker wedding sketch. I was much higher on it the second time that I watched it. I think there was a lot of, I don't know if it was a perfect sketch. I think that Andrew, um, you know, I sort of, I actually wish this sketch was the 10 to one to be honest with you i think this would have been more fun there as like you know pure silliness but i think that there was a lot of elements i really liked especially how method andrew got with it i think was really great especially like you know first he's like well, uh, i said i was gonna dress like joker and then he gets like really aggressive when he's hey, like you know i've been 
wanted to dress like Joker ever since last Halloween when I saw a guy dress like Joker. I said, make sure I'm going to dress like Joker. Like, that was a great line. That was like three lines in one, and it was really great. And I, I think there was a lot there. Sarah Sherman was fantastic in this with, uh, with this one. But I'll be damned if you don't look exactly like Joker. Like, how into it that they were, like... I really enjoy this. So, Mike, I have to go to you on this. I know you're a big Survivor fan as well, where you happy to see Jeff Probst on the show. And do you agree with me that this sketch maybe would have been better off towards the end of the evening? 100%. I was thrilled to see Probst. It gets some inter-network play right there that we don't see a lot on um, <laughs> the networks, you know, maybe promoting the, their competition a little bit uh, with CBS and NBC. Um, I couldn't I couldn't believe it. I mean, like that's not a cameo that I was clamoring for to see Jeff Probst walk out, but when it did, it hit because I, I agree with you that the sketch was better second viewing. It would have made a great 10 to 1. Uh, when I was thinking about your question about uh, DSP in the earlier slot, I was like, I think the Joker one probably was probably written with that in mind. Um, it just had that energy. Um, maybe it's also I have to go back and check out uh, Harlow's Kentucky accent. He's from Kentucky, right? So maybe that was why they went with that. Uh, but maybe they you don't, you don't want to throw probes in the 10 to 1. So that makes sense to me in hindsight that they would do that um, to get that cameo in. Uh, but yeah, I, I was I was pumped, John. I was like, you know, as a big Survivor fan, this is seeing what I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, Tom Hanks, Steve Martin, the way bigger stars than than probes. But when they walk on set, I'm, I'm not shocked. It's like I, they're friends of the show jeff probes walks out i like you know spit my drink out i know that, that was really crazy and i think a lot of people online were asking like how does this work i mean he's on cbs like why would he come on an nbc show like back in the day during american idol they had simon cowell and paula abdul and randy jackson on saturday Night live so like for me it's like you know they don't really care about the networks i don't really think it necessarily affects anything they had a bachelor contestant on last year i think just you know at this point jeff is a huge a star so for them to get get him on the show if you're a big survivor fan it meant a lot victoria did this joker wedding sketch do anything for you i thought it was a good shout out to uh not jack harlow's culture but just like <laughs> <laughs> sorry guys yeah i did that to myself uh not his culture but like to to southern twang you know he's he's from the south he's from kentucky they made references to kentucky i think it was a i don't know i really started off with culture and it got me distracted no i think it was funny um i love his hair in this i don't we no one we need to give credit where credit is due and that was a great wig for him he does he looks more like drawing justin timberlake from memory in that wig than with his natural hair but uh no i thought it was funny i think it was a a nice nod to his home state without being overly that's what it was not to his home state not his culture i'm so sorry no problem Sean, to, to him on, and everyone <laughs> got it sean anything on this sketch you want to bring up my culture no just play <laughs> he's not <laughs> he's not appropriate he's just himself He's Black Harlow, baby. Nah, he's cool, man. That is a cult. Like, white rapper is a culture. It's its own culture. Like, it's, he has, he checks the boxes. Nah. Uh, but yeah, man, he was fun. And, and uh, yeah, I think it was a, a great show, man. I think a uh, great, a great show for, the best show that he could do. Let me say it that way. The best show that he could do. He does best. Okay. 
That's not a compliment. Sounds, best. <laughs> sounds good. Let's check in with our other polls that we did this week on social media. So every week we put up polls on Monday mornings, either on Twitter or on Instagram. You can always answer them to get your results into the show. And other things we wanted to know this week included, which cast member do you want to see return next? Obviously, Bobby Moynihan has been away from the show for uh, about you know five and a half years, I guess. And he we haven't seen him, and we were so excited to have him back. And it was always like, when is Bobby going to come back? There are a ton of cast members who have never cameo, never hosted after they left the show that had great careers on the show. So we want to know which ones do you want to see next? And so many great submissions that we got for that particular question today. But let me bring up our top five that we got for this one. And number one overall was Taryn Killen with 18% of the vote. A lot of people would like to see him coming back. I believe he's hosting an Amazon Prime sports show now if I understand correctly, but he's had a pretty good career and would love to see him back on the show. Number two, Beck Bennett coming in at 16%, who left only a couple of years ago, but it feels like it's been a while that we haven't seen Beck on the show, uh, one of my favorite cast members during that time. Number three, Leslie Jones coming in 11%. That would be interesting to see. I know she's on some work with NBC, but would she ever come back? Number four, Sherry O'Terry, believe it or not, who was on the show for five years in the late 90s and has never returned to the show after she left. Would love to see her back. And I don't even think she was in, I think maybe, I don't know if they tried to get her into the 40th anniversary, but they couldn't, but uh, haven't seen her back on the show and would love to get her. I believe she was recently also on Fly on the Wall. So it would be great to see her back. And of course, uh, Jay Farrow, who I spoke to this summer, got 5% of the vote. And he said that he would love to come back. He would love to host. How talented is Jay Farrow? So it would be wonderful to get Jay back onto the show coming in. And we also had you know, some great other suggestions, including Tim Robinson and Jenny Slate and um, Jane Curtin, uh, Lorraine Newman. So a lot of great cast members to come back onto the show. Okay. We also asked the audience, we wanted to know, uh, just a fun question we had today. So we had uh, we had in this post-Halloween sketch, we had this great moment where Michael Longfellow, your your best friend, Sean, comes on and he comes on in this getup. And we wanted to know, uh, as Mikey Day asked, Dahmer or pervert? Which one was he? Sean, do you have a guess? What did the audience say, Dahmer or pervert? I think he's getting into this pervert thing, man. He, he's he's a real. Uh, I never saw him as that. If you see him, if you know him, he's he's so not this guy. But they're turning him into a great pervert, man. I love it. Yeah, he, yeah, one of the all-time SNL perverts. <laughs> um, so it would be. Uh, I was curious what the audience would say for this, and we got a lot of also Jeff Montgomery's sort of giving the Will Forte vibes for this. Uh, pretty tight race, but uh, Dahmer wins out, fifty-four percent to forty-six percent pervert on this Monday. And then, of course, every single week we ask for your MVPs of the episode. And I'm going to ask our panel who they think the top three were this week for the MVP results. So, Mike, I will ask you. You usually have a good, um, you know, idea of what the audience is going to say. Who was your top three from the audience this week? I think Bobby, number one. I think people will probably, you know, we haven't seen him in so long. I think it's it's got to be Bobby, number one. Hank's number two. For that surprise aspect and then for you know normally i would i would put the host in the top three in this case i i don't think the the voters might might they might have neglected him but there wasn't really a standout in the cast like sometimes there is with sarah sherman or keenan or something like that so um tough call uh even with ego that was you know so late in the night um so for my third vote you know what double duty let's just go jack harlow and move on okay Victoria, what are your top three from the week? Oh, man. I'm going to agree with Mike on the first two, Bobby, then Hanks. 
I think I'm going to throw a curveball here and say Cecily because it was quite the return. Yeah, for sure. Cecily herself was in five sketches. She also introduced Jack Harlow for one of the musical performances. I also didn't read up before some just some other stats on the episode before I get to Sean. Uh, Chloe Feynman in six sketches, Keenan in five, Mikey in five, Bowen in five himself. Um, and then James Austin Johnson also had his best night in of uh, the season with five sketches. Um, and then, of course, Tom Hanks, Bobby, Jeff Probst, Jack Harlow, all eligible. Sean, who are your top three? All right. Well, uh, Victoria took the steam out of my Cecily. You know what? I'll go Cecily first, then, then Hanks, then Moynihan, so I can win. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, I, 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 I love the feminism. Thank you, Sean. Yeah. <laughs> On behalf of women. <laughs> All right. Well, let's reveal our MVP results from week number four. And here we go. We have Bobby Moynihan coming in first place by a wide majority, 44%. We had a ton yeah. of votes, by the way. So many votes. Uh, 44% of the votes, Bobby Moynihan comes in for number one in our MVP results for week number four. Number two, Cecily Strong coming in 17%. Number three, Tom Hanks, 11%. Our host and musical guest, Jack Harlow, with 6%. And then Chloe Feynman, who I said was in six sketches and really all over the episode, uh, got 4% of the vote for the MVP for week number four. So well-deserved from Chloe, who's having a really good season. And I'm sure Mike will be talking more about her on the By the Number show later on in the week. Okay, so that does it here for our talk about the Jack Harlow episode. But guess what? Guess who's coming in to host for the third time next Saturday night? And that would be... Amy Schumer, who comes in, who originally hosted back in 2015. That would be season 41, episode two. Uh, Bobby was a cast member then and then came back for season 43, episode 20, which is a Mother's Day episode that a lot of people do remember. And here she returns for a week uh, for episode number three. Mike, are you excited to get Schumer 3.0? Yeah, why not? I mean, we've been doing so many first time hosts that, you know, when someone has a the history of the show you hope they walk in and they know where to sit at read through and they know where the dressing room is and hopefully that means there's a smoother week for writing and uh if you have a comedic uh host then they have an established voice um less so you know more so than a, a double duty host who doesn't do acting uh really outside their music uh like maybe selena gomez or somebody but uh she's on a comedy show right now but we didn't have a ton of comedic hosts last year it was probably about you know one third of the episodes were comedic hosts so yeah i'm all, i'm all for it uh let's give us uh schumer 3.0 okay victoria our first returning host this season how do you feel about it i am sensing a theme uh, from snl this year and it's two of my favorite things stand up and hip-hop we've got rappers and we've got a lot of stand-ups involve uh and those i mean i love it so i'm excited i'm i'm really looking for, i mean she's a great host she's a great comedian we i love stand-up comedians as hosts and i love getting a stand-up bit in the monologue so i'm really looking forward to that and i think it's just gonna be a great show as usual i think yeah for sure it should be very fun sean how do you feel about amy schumer i know as a stand-up yourself i would love to get your opinion on her coming in to host the show are you a fan of amy schumer Oh, yeah, I'm excited. I mean, you know, uh, I know she's in the comedy community, had her, uh, you know, hiccups and stuff um, with, with people saying that she took some joke or whatever. The joke was whatever. I, I didn't really buy into that. I like Amy Schumer. I like um, that the cast will know kind of how to write for her. She has a comedic voice. So you kind of know what you're getting. It should be, um, and she'll know what to say no to. Like she knows what doesn't ring true for her or what she won't. 
So I think it'll be a more watchable show and, and more funny in it, man. So I'm excited. For sure. Let me just say, when Amy Schumer got announced to host episode five, wow, was the, you know, response tepid. You know, people were like, why? And I could not disagree more. I think that she's a very decent, if not very good host. And I'm excited to see what she's going to do. I think it's very important, especially for some of the newbies, to have some returning hosts come in and get that vibe and get that feel. And I think her episodes have been solid. Like, is she the greatest host in the history of the show? No, but I think she's a great host. She understands, you know, stand-ups are always really fun when they host the show. And I think there's a lot of potential for what we can get this week. Uh, Longtime fans of the podcast know that I got to meet Amy Schumer this summer at the Just for Laughs award show where she did get an award this summer and beyond just getting to talk to her a little bit you know when I was doing the red carpet I also got to watch the award show and see her being presented an award and her just talking to some other comedians in the community and you know it wasn't like a huge show where she's like you know at the Emmys and she's you know talking to millions of people like she's really just talking to her peers and uh, some people who followed her and like you know, just to get to see her be like really real and talk about her career and how she started as like a just for laughs new face, like new face, maybe, you know, 10 or 12 years ago, and how she's like risen into her popularity. Like, I really admire her. And I think that it's gonna be really fun to have her on the show this week. So give it a chance, people lighten up a little bit. It's gonna be fun to have Amy on the show. Okay, before we get there, though, we do have a couple more shows coming up this week on the Saturday Night Network. And on Wednesday night, we're going to have our By the Numbers show. So if you enjoy getting to hear from Mike Murray this time and you're like, who is this guy? Well, he's been around for pretty much since the beginning doing numbers and statistics along with me and now with Nicole Rovine on the By the Numbers show. So, Mike, do you want to give a little bit of a tease of what we can expect on Wednesday night at 830 for the By the Numbers show? Sure. It's a really fun original show. We do stats. Um, screen time, every analytic you could imagine. So stats that literally don't exist anywhere else in the Milky Way galaxy are on this podcast network Wednesday at 8.30. We go live. The chat's live. It's really fun. And, you know, it's kind of just a, a cross between what the numbers say and what the eyeball test says. You know, we, we can't quantize funny, but we can quantize appearances screen time, all that that goes into it. And there's for SNL, it's such a 48 seasons. There's so much data to go from so much precedent that when they follow precedent or break precedent, it's actually really fun to talk about. So Nicole and I, um, we do it weekly now. And uh, this week we have our friend TJ Randolph coming on. So it's going to be a fun show. Yeah, for sure. TJ always adds to the mix when he is on there. So very excited to see what he's going to bring to the by the number show and get his analytics perspective. And then on Thursday night, I will be live with the aforementioned Thomas Senna and Amanda Barkin on Thursday, who Amanda was at the live show this week. So can't wait to get her perspective on what she saw in the studio and along with Thomas's opinion on the show. And we will answer any questions about. Oh, sorry. I just triggered myself. I got to say any questions. Yes. I'll answer any questions this week about the Jack Harlow episode and look ahead to the Amy Schumer show. So that will be uh, on Thursday night. You can send in your questions in the form that we post on Twitter or in our Instagram stories starting on Wednesday afternoon for that show. And we will make sure to get your questions into the show. And then of course we will be live with the hot take show on Saturday night for the Amy Schumer episode. Okay. Victoria, where can the listeners reach out to you? You can find me on Instagram right here. Uh, and if you're in Detroit, come see me perform in Holy Toledo at Planet Ant, which was co-founded by Keegan-Michael Key uh, on November 18th, 19th, 25th, and 26th. Awesome. 
Yeah, definitely go check that out. Victoria is it's super a, talented. It's my uh, first sketch show in a long time. So it'll be Saturday Night Live-esque. So come and, come and enjoy. Awesome. Very, very happy to hear that, Victoria. Uh, Sean, please tell the listeners so they can check out everything you are doing. And of course, once again, happy birthday. Oh, thank you, brother. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, guys, check me out at on my Instagram, which is here at I am Sean Grant. Uh, my improv team is in San Francisco Sketch Fest, January 20th, two shows. So come check that out. If you're in San Francisco, a big fan of sketch comedy, live sketch, uh, come to Sketch Fest and watch us, man. Watch everybody. It's going to be fun. Mike Murray, thank you for joining us. Please tell the listeners where they can find everything you got going on on social media. On our social media, uh, at SNL Network or the SNL Network, correct? Yes. Are you drunk? Uh, and and then um, at SNL Mike Murray is uh, <laughs> you can find me. Yes, for sure. You you can find us at the SNL Network, despite what Mike may have said. And uh, find me at John Schneider 24. Uh, check it out. Like I said, uh, or like Victoria said, we got a really fun uh, tweet go a little viral this week about Bobby Moynihan. So uh, very excited to have had him back at the show. This was a wonderful episode to get to cover. So I'm very excited for what I said on Saturday. And I maintain this what I feel is really the start to season 48. I think that we you know we had our appetizers last at the beginning of the month. For the first three and now we're uh, starting to eat the main course a little bit so can't wait to see what happens this week with amy schumer okay for for our friends mike murray victoria franzo and sean grant and everybody who joined us on this spooky halloween night we will see you next time everybody have a good one (laughs) 